Welcome to the Purdue Tech Bytes podcast with Nick Damiani and John Mitchell. Our podcasts are designed to help teachers navigate the murky waters of appropriate technology use in their classrooms. Let's get started. Welcome to the Purdue Tech Bytes podcast. This is John Mitchell. And as usual, I am joined by Nick Damiani. How's it going today, Nick? Great, John. Excellent. We're also thankful that we're being joined today by the wonderful Mrs. Stephanie Petro. Steph, how's it going? Great, John and Nick. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And Steph is one of our elementary technology teachers. Uh, She's been on board with us. Uh, Last year was your first full year, and you're looking at year two. So um, it's great to have you joining us. So the topic for today's uh, Tech Byte podcast is going to focus on our tech academy that we are wrapping up this week on the Peru Central School campus. So the tech academy is an opportunity that we have provided uh, Peru teachers with to give them some foundation skills on the uh, integration of technology tools in their classroom to help answer questions on effective use. And, you know, as we're faced with the the obstacle of remote learning this year, one of the big conversations we've had is how to uh, provide quality instruction during that remote experience. So the uh, Tech Academy, I would say this year over most, has a very, very clear focus uh, and goals that we're trying to help teachers accomplish. The Tech Academy itself is open to all Peru Central School teachers at K-12, so they are able to sign up in advance and participate on our campus. And the real you know, goal and vision of the entire program is to develop our talent within, provide all of our teachers with a foundation set of knowledge uh, that they can bring back to their grade levels and their departments uh, to you know, just help us all through this, you know, this process. Absolutely. Well, one of the things that we, um, we focused on here at the Academy is trying to identify and uh, provide solutions for any obstacles for the upcoming school year. Um, we all know it's going to be different and uh, a little challenging, but also uh, exciting because it's a new frontier in a way. Um, so one of the things we're looking at is being able to manage instruction during um, remote learning. There's a lot of platforms and different vehicles that we're looking at um, for that. And we're going to get into and dig into those a little bit a little further on. We also want to make sure that we have dependable um, devices to support that. Um, last year when we um, actually found out we weren't going to be at school for the remainder of the school year, I don't think many districts were prepared for um, the onslaught of demands that we had to face. Um, but this year, I'm, I'm happy to report that we have um, girded up our loins, so to speak, and we're definitely more prepared for um, all the challenges um, to come. Yeah, so I think when we're, we're looking at trying to teach from home or you know, work with students that are at home, uh, the teacher device that we're using needs to be you know, kind of beefy enough to run all of the different platforms that we want it to run, uh, you know, with the live meetings and, uh, you know, Paradex and Google Slides and those types of things. So uh, we have put in a plan to replace all of our teacher machines so all, all teachers on our campus will have a new, uh, new device starting the school year. So we're excited about that. Uh, it's definitely going to take one of those obstacles kind of out of the way for us. All right, so like John said, we're, we're trying to figure out how we're going to navigate, you know, this remote learning experience and how we're going to help teachers navigate it. So we had some areas of focus uh, that, you know, we categorized in basically four categories. Uh, one is, you know, how can we help teachers manage live meetings and these live learning sessions with students who are at home? 
we also wanted to help set up a, you know, a very clean and organized online classroom environment. How are we, and also how are we going to help teachers create video content uh, that's not going to require a great deal of prep in advance, uh, but something that, you know, they can do as part of their day uh, to be able to share that video content home. It, it, that seems to be a real big, you know, it was a real big pushback in the spring, uh, you know, how, you know, how teachers can create videos and how we can create videos in different ways. And there's a lot of different tools out there for creating videos and, and setting them up. So uh, we definitely, you know, dive into that. And then the other you know, one of the other big concepts is the shift in instructional style that's going to be required when we look at remote learning. So, you know, we're going to go from that traditional classroom setup where all the students are in their space, uh, teachers are providing their, you know, their whole group and small group instruction to more of a flipped classroom model. So we, we dove into that and had some conversations with a lot of teachers on that area. You know, to, to piggyback on that a little bit, Nick, um, I guess one of the one of the good things that has developed out of um, out of necessity out of the whole pandemic is that I think we can honestly say that the level of comfort tech wise has increased exponentially among staff out of necessity. So um, you know, especially even going into this year, um, you know, I think people will be a lot more comfortable utilizing things as opposed to before all this happened. Yeah, as teachers, we constantly want to focus on the positives, right? So what, you know, what came out of a difficult situation? And I know we talked back in, you know, probably April, and I remember having the conversation with you about how, you know, this type of experience, just, you know, no matter how difficult it is on everybody, uh, we are going to be further ahead in our process with integration of technology than what we would have been without it. So uh, in the matter of, you know, we accomplished more in two months as a district with our teachers Know, more than what we would have accomplished in you know, two years. True. So uh, it, it held our feet to the fire. It forced a lot of change quickly, which was extremely stressful. But I think coming off of that experience, you know, our teachers can feel a little more confident. There's still going to be changes that are coming out uh, with you know, how they're going to want to approach their instruction, but they have that more of that foundation level of confidence. So, uh, Steph, looking at some of the tools that we have been sharing uh, – you know, to support these you know, major areas of focus throughout the academy. You know, what are some of the tools that you think we focused on that you know, can really help teachers have a positive impact? Okay, well, first of all, I'm very grateful that our district is given the opportunity to our teachers uh, to be able to learn a handful of tech tools that we can use, especially during remote learning. We get a chance to practice a little bit of the functionality of the apps related to how we're going to use it during remote learning. Uh, then we get to have a discussion of the possible problems that students could encounter while they're learning remotely and then pre-plan some of the solutions for that. So some of the tools that we made sure we discussed was were the, the G Suite was one. We did a few um, activities uh, specifically with Google Forms and how we can use that in relation to remote learning. Um, Edpuzzle. Great way to incorporate video and then get some feedback from the students on their understanding. We used uh, Pear Deck a lot with Google Slides. Great way to get formative assessment from students, check on their understanding. Also Quizlet, uh, uh, ways to use that in remote learning also. Seesaw is one of the platforms that we're specifically using in our pre-K through second grade 
group, and that's a way that we'll deploy information and lessons to the kids. Seesaw seems to work really nicely with the younger kids, we thought. Um, we'll be using Google Classroom to deploy information for third through fifth grade and um, older, middle school and high school. Uh, Screencastify is a way that we can um, you know, have conversations with our kids or teach our kids, not have conversations with them, but teach the kids a quick lesson before they begin. WeVideo, great way to produce, uh, make more of a production of your uh, Screencastify videos. And then Flipgrid, which is a great discussion forum uh, to use with kids, especially in remote learning. Yeah, so for, you know, you're looking at those tools, then what, four out of the what, eight or nine that we shared were video-type focus, right? So, Correct. you know, how can you capture video easily? You know, what tools will allow us to do that? Stuff that works with our, you know, our, our Google platform, you know, with a smooth transition between the two. Uh, so that's where Screencastify comes in. If you want to be that next level type video producer, that's what WeVideo offers is another level of blending videos together uh, based on your level of confidence. And then Edpuzzle pulls in the formative assessment piece attached to the video. So if I create a teacher video and I want to add questions and embed those questions directly in to have some interaction with the video that I created, that's what Edpuzzle allows us to do. So uh, the tools really are designed to focus on different areas and provide teachers with options. Uh, there were other tools that came up throughout the week that we've kind of taken a deeper dive into based on some teacher conversation. But I think if we look at a foundation of, of you know, options, you know, that kind of that settles us a little bit. So now I think we're going to take a brief pause and uh, address our weekly tech tip. All right, so our tech tip for today is uh, really focused on the use of technology in the classroom, not a specific you know, option within one, on the, within one of the tools. So uh, I think we all really need to truly understand how the tech tool impacts our ability to deliver the content. So you know, before we just jump in to use a piece of technology for the sake of the technology, we really want to make sure that it aligns with what we're trying to know, what goals, what learning goals we have set up for students. So if that tech tool aligns with our learning goals and, our, and it's going to help our students achieve our learning goals or maximize the learning that takes place, then that's really a quality tool that we can use uh, in the classroom. And I can really speak to that. Uh, before I was a technology teacher, I was a primary school teacher teaching in first grade and third grade. And uh, one of the things I really came to learn is that the technology, of course, doesn't always achieve what your learning goal is, and you might have to make some changes and not use that tech tool at the particular time. I had a conversation with somebody recently, and we were trying to come up with some solutions for uh, using a particular tool for first graders, and then we realized that we were spending so much time giving the students instruction on how to use the tool. There were so many steps with it that we really lost sight of, of teaching the kids the actual content. When you realize that you're spending more time teaching the tool and you're not teaching the content, then that might be a time uh, to step back, build a little background, scaffold a little bit. Um, and you might need to wait a little bit longer. Don't use the tool at that time there might be a time later in the year when the kids have built some confidence. The tool really should be the scaffold 
the scaffold and um, to make it easier for kids to understand concepts. And it really should enhance their learning when the tool has to um, actually be the aid. It has to assist you in teaching the content. And um, it has to be something that you can use where you can't teach it with a traditional method. So. so what you're saying is if we start trying to use something and it doesn't go well, it's okay to scrap it and change gears a little bit. And, and you didn't do anything wrong. You know, we don't want teachers to put the pressure on themselves that everything has to be perfect. Like, you just have to be willing to try. Right? Absolutely. We're, we're, we're trying to do things differently. We're trying to go about it in a unique, you know, in an engaging way. Um, but sometimes, you know, that's not going to work as planned, and that's okay. And, and understanding in their mind that, you know, yeah, it didn't work. What can I change? How can I move forward? You know, maybe it's something we don't want to use at all, but maybe it's something that we do have to provide background on in a small group setting prior to opening it up you know, in a larger group or something along those lines, but it's okay to shift gears. And it's good for the kids to see you shifting gears. It's good for the kids to see that things don't always work out the way you have planned. There's no perfection in this at all. And when you see something isn't going well, take a step back, do a little problem solving, come back to it later. If, you know, if it's something that will work later in the year, come back to it later those real-life problem-solving skills that we're trying to embed in all of our, our students. They can see it in action. Okay, now we're going to get into the portion of our podcast where we um, chat with some of our participants who uh, joined us at Tech Academy. Yeah, so we're looking to kind of gain the teacher perspective from the experience. Uh, and the first guest, we're actually going to welcome back Dean Delano uh, to our podcast Dean participated on a podcast about esports a while back uh, that we had pushed out to everyone. So Dean is a middle school art and technology teacher, along uh, with uh, along as our sorry and uh, our esports coach uh, for the district. So welcome back, Dean. Yeah, thank you guys for having us back. Uh, Dean, can you provide everyone with you know just a little bit of background on your teaching experience and you know role on our campus? Sure. So I'm primarily middle school, high school um, art and technology. Um, most of my classes have been middle school oriented, but um, am working this year with some of the ninth graders for some technology. And um, aside from that, we kind of try to engage students outside of the classroom, 10th periods, um, with things like Game Club and uh, Minecraft has been a huge draw uh, for our middle school kids in particular. So that's kind of what we spend our time doing. And uh, we have a great uh, team of teachers, both in art and technology, that really collaborate uh, well together. So. Yeah, and I think well. it's I think it's great having uh, you know someone that has those different roles within a building participating in the academy just because of the different perspectives that you have to offer. So I think uh, I think it's great that you know we're able to get you on board. Uh, why you know why did you choose to sign up for this experience uh, back in the spring? Yeah, so in the spring uh, the application went out, and I my interest was. Um, increasing the availability of uh, coding projects and skill builders for middle school students. Uh, we had done a little bit in the classroom with them, and it kind of was very trial-oriented, and I wanted to kind of focus in and spend some time developing the curriculum and really kind of um, nailing some of those key skills. Um, through that conversation, started talking with um, John and Steph and um, some of our high school teachers about what uh, coding skills are students being uh, presented 
Um, what are where are we building their uh, skills in computer science, uh, both at the primary uh, intermediate and then at the high school level, and trying to bridge that gap for the middle school kids because we we did I felt uh, that we could do better. Yeah, so it sounds to me like you probably had some code.org questions and conversations with Steph. For sure. Uh, you know, that was something that, you know, after after we went to the FETC conference, we came back. Uh, that was one of our target goals to improve upon, you know, over the course of this school year and, and next and, and trying to align that coding curriculum. And Steph really jumped on that code.org platform uh, because of how well it integrated in her role in the elementary building and it provided with a you know, kind of clear K-5 focus for us, you know, and set those learning goals uh, well, and it was very easy for students to follow along. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, that's another benefit of you participating in this type of uh, environment because you're focused on a little bit of a different side of the technology use and the coding and the programming and the computer science piece. So, uh, you know, I hope that you're able to gain some of that through this experience and and have a vision of, you know, where you want to go, you know, moving forward. Absolutely. And, and that code.org was a phenomenal platform to expand into the middle school and even the high school levels um, with their um, kind of embedded curriculum and, and guided uh, content that uh, made it very easy to um, get in and, and um, help students develop skills. I, I'm assuming it will be helpful. It's very clear, very organized, and I'm looking forward to trying to implement it. I actually had originally thought, you know, let's do a unit in coding uh, for, for three weeks. And by the end of this week, it looks like um, I've found enough content to really do a whole class. So we might try to pitch that to the administration. Perfect. That's what we like to hear. Um, based on the structure and how we organize the Tech Academy, what are what do you think are some of the reasons why you would recommend it to another, you know, a colleague that hasn't participated? Uh, I would say, I mean, it's like it's a technology retreat. It's you've got a full week. You can really focus in on your goals um, when it was appropriate. There was plenty of uh, collaboration opportunities within peers at different grade levels and uh, maybe teams for some of us. Uh, so just that focus time, I think, was really beneficial to come in, get to work, um, hammer out your to-do lists and explore. And that was the other piece of it as, you know, you're walking around or you take a break and someone's doing something interesting, you kind of hover over the table and, and what are you doing? Just that back and forth, you know, getting ideas of how one teacher may be implementing a technology tool and then, you know, the light bulbs going off in your head of seeing like, oh, I could do it this way and this, is, this would be excellent for, you know, this application was very beneficial. Yeah, we do have a wide range of representation across the district from kindergarten through, you know, 12th grade. So I think when you uh, see what others are doing, and it may be in an elementary classroom, but then you automatically kind of hook on to the adaptation for an older student or, you know, vice versa, where we have an elementary teacher watching something you're doing, like, oh, I can pull that into my classroom in a different way. So, yeah, the collaboration is key. Uh Definitely. And, and even say, you know, being able to say, hey, kids, remember two years ago when you did that, you know, with Miss Petro, that's that's huge in a, in a classroom to be able to pull off of that prior knowledge. Yeah, you're right. It does give us all a little bit of the big picture, you know, when we sometimes get locked into the tunnel vision of our stuff, uh, you know, being able to open it up and see what everyone else is doing. It's always a great experience and beneficial. So, 
It's also great that you're picking up the torch with coding over across campus because it allows us to, you know, kind of psych kids up as far as, hey, look, where do you get to see this stuff? You're going to get to do it, Mr. Delano, when you get there. Yeah, and I would love to, and we've talked a little bit, it might be down the road, but I would love to be able to bring some of our middle school students down and help facilitate some of those lessons. I think that would be super beneficial for them as well. Yeah. You know, it would be great with that, Nick, is a couple years ago, Nick and I ran like a coding Olympics that we did. Yep. And the cracker box, and maybe some of those kids could come over and work with some of our guys. Absolutely. For that. Yeah. yeah, and actually, the students still talk about that experience. Cool. You know, they're you know eighth grade now. They they're still talking about it. So, uh, definitely an impactful moment for them. Uh, well, uh, Dean, thanks for joining us. Thanks for answering some of our questions. Absolutely. Thanks for having uh, me. And thanks for participating in the Tech Academy as a whole. Look forward to it next year. Hopefully. Excellent. Thank you. Okay, now we're going to spend a little time with Miss Kathy Cantwell. Uh, Kathy is an art teacher over in our elementary building. Uh, so, Kathy, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do over there? I teach kids from pre-K to fifth grade, and we do a hands-on art curriculum where we explore diverse media and art history and elements and principles of design. Excellent. Uh, I know one of the things that I've appreciated about you for years is you have naturally seemed to kind of try to rope technology in a lot into what you're doing. I was really impressed with the digital art show that you put up uh, while we were out of school. Um, How did you come up with that, that whole concept there? Oh, thank you, John. That's sweet of you. Um, you know, I was really disappointed that we couldn't have our art show in the springtime and we couldn't gather everybody together. And um, so, uh, Ms. Luttrell and I decided that we just really needed to do something for the kids because they've done so much great work and we just wanted to have it on display that, so they could share it with their families and the community. Yeah, it was, it was very well put together. Um, so this is your first year joining us here um, with Tech Academy. What, what inspired you to want to join this year? Well, you know, there's so much to learn out there, and um, I really appreciate having the opportunity to uh, be able to work with so many talented colleagues and all of you experienced uh, tech people, because um, there's so many great age-appropriate tools that I can use to engage the students, even if, whether we're in class or 100% remote. So I was really happy to have the opportunity to brush up on my skills and take the old lessons and apply them in new ways. Excellent. So speaking of tools, are there, are there anything that you'd like to elaborate on that you feel that you've kind of gleaned from your time here this year that you're looking forward to incorporating when we get back going? Well, you know, I'm really excited to use Seesaw and uh, Google Classroom. And I now have a Bitmoji account, which I didn't have before. So it's really fun to um, incorporate all these cool graphics and things and, and to be able to use all the resources available online and, and also to be able to create videos with things like WeVideo and, uh, and the different tools that are available now. So it's going to be exciting. You know, I, I know it's very challenging right now for the kids with... Uh, with not knowing what's going to happen next, but you know what? We're going to ride through it together, and we'll have fun and and create all along the way. 
Now, I, I know you do some beekeeping, and uh, I know before we um, were sent home, you know, last school year, we are planning on working together on, like, a beekeeping video kind of project. Are you hoping to be able to get into potentially use some of this? Maybe we even we video it with that in the future? Absolutely. You know, I have the our school hives at my house right now, and they're doing great. And I'm really looking forward to getting them on campus when we're ready. Um, right now, everybody's been so busy with um, preparing for school safety that it hasn't been the number one priority. But as soon as the site is prepared, I can bring our hive to school. And, um, and I definitely want to get kids involved so that um, they can see inside the hive safely with, uh, with your skills. I think that um, we can bring the bees to the entire school in a totally safe and really fascinating way. So there's, I, I think that uh, Peru has a great environment for bees because we have such a great rural community with lots of forage for the bees and there's so many people that are interested in keeping the environment you know, safe and trying to leave something good for future generations. Oh, excellent. Well, Kathy, I, I promise I'm going to try to get brave enough to foray into the, the bees once you bring them back. And, you know, uh, thank you for joining us and sharing. I look forward to seeing some of the exciting stuff I know you're going to create this year. Well, I'm sure you will get the buzz on with the bees. No problem. <laughs> So our next guest is Connie Markowitz. She is a middle school career and consumer studies teacher uh, in our middle school, and she's recently new to the district over the past year. So uh, welcome to the show, Connie. Uh, Thanks for having me. Excellent. So would you be able to just take a second and provide everyone with you know your background, teaching experience, you know those types of things? Sure. This is my 21st year teaching. Uh, the position I took here at Peru, I'm working with 6th and 7th grade students. In 6th grade, we are exploring the economics of food and various aspects of working with food over a 10-week program. And in 7th grade, we're exploring career opportunities along with how those career choices that you make in life impact so many other aspects of your adult life from the responsibilities that you have, um, things like your level of college debt, what kind of home can you purchase? Um, are you going to choose to have children? And if so, how many? What does your leisure time look like? Um, where do you live? All of these things are really connected to the choices you make regarding your career. Excellent. So a lot of real life kind of conversations uh, take place in your classroom, I can imagine. Definitely. Uh, so, you know, knowing a little bit about you, uh, like I do, I know that you do have a strong background uh, in technology use. I think it's been part of your teaching for many years. Uh, so you have a good set of found, you know, a good foundation uh, and a good vision for how you like to apply it within your space. Uh, so taking a teacher with your level of experience uh, and background knowledge, uh, why, you know, why did you feel like participating in the Tech, Amati tech Academy was going to be, you know, a good experience for you? Um, so I, I do love technology and have been working with it for a while. Um, I chose to engage with this um, because I, in my previous district that I came from, um, we did not have necessarily the resources to have as much access as 
um, is available in Peru. So I just wanted to get more familiar with some of the things that um, the district invests in that I haven't had access to and um, get get the credentials. Uh, also, because I started mid-school year, I feel like I missed out on the opportunities at the beginning of the year where people might have started some uh, collegial relationships. Um, and so I started November 15th, and then you know there were a bunch of holidays thrown into that, and then we had a pandemic. So <laughs> I felt like this was a good opportunity to, to connect with the Peru culture and make some um, professional connections. And I'm going to be honest, I've been home with my children since March 13th. So there's you no kids here. Needed a little bit of a break, right? <laughs> uh, I can say you're not the only one that has shared a little bit of that insight as well. Uh, <laughs> I think we I think we were all, you know, ready to have some of that professional conversation, uh, you know, get back with our colleagues and try to figure out how to, you know, move some of these obstacles together as a group and developing those relationships and the confidence within each other, I think, is a key component. Uh, so I am glad that you chose to participate uh, in the academy. Is there, you know, something specific that you've kind of focused on during this experience that you, you feel like you're going to be able to take from it and you know, move into your classroom with it and continue to push your own integration use? Uh, so I've kind of dabbled in a little bit here and there, um, but pulling it all together in my Google Classroom uh, this week. One thing that we haven't necessarily really talked about during the Tech Academy, but something that I did spend some time on, um, I've been using an online plan book for about five, four or five years. Um, and I started off with one from a company called Common Curriculum, but they didn't have, they only had Monday through Friday scheduling. So you couldn't do AB or a six day rotation. Um, and it meant that you had to like drag your lessons around to fix it every week because they didn't have that scheduling option. So I ended up switching to planbook.com. It's a really robust system. Um, I've been happy with it, it's 12 bucks a year. And the benefit of an online plan book is it lets you roll over your lessons from year to year. So you don't feel like you're starting over, like spending time rewriting things. And um, it lets you drag things around to rearrange them. Uh, lets you share with colleagues. So if there's more than one person doing what you're doing, you can be collaborating with each other on it. Um, so I like all of these features. And I discovered this week that the um, plan book that I originally started with, which is a little bit prettier, and I definitely am into things being aesthetically attractive, has now pulled it together and got that six-day rotation option and, and all kinds of scheduling abilities. So I, I've moved back to that um, nicer layout this week and i was really excited to discover that excellent and that could be a great resource for you know all of our colleagues if they're looking for that type of digital planning planning environment uh, so it's it's identifying what the tool does for you and then using it so it has a need and uh you know and you want to be able to use it and integrate it and in something that you can share so uh you know thanks for sharing that uh any feedback on the structure of the academy that uh, you think is beneficial? Like, what did you feel, you know, not necessarily on the topics, but for looking at the organization of it and the opportunity that provide, provided you with, you know, what were some of the benefits for you? I felt like it was laid out in a really flexible manner that let people pursue, there's such a wide variety of different content areas and grade levels um, here this week. And 
Um, so the level of flexibility, I think, made it work really well for everyone that they could look at the things they wanted to look at. Um, and there were opportunities kind of pop out into groups and learn about something that you thought could work for you um, or be working independently as well. Uh, so I thought that worked really well. Excellent. Uh, I agree. So when we think about how we're going to plan this out, we want it to be, a, it can be a different experience for everybody that participates in it. You know, we're not, we're not all going about things exactly the same. We want to be able to break out, have conversations on what you want to be able to have conversations on to build your background knowledge and how you want to use technology in your classroom. So having the freedom and I think the professional courtesy to be able to navigate that type of environment is definitely one of the big draws on it. So uh, thanks for that feedback. Uh, and I'd like to thank you for uh, joining us on the podcast and taking the time to answer some of our questions. Uh, you know, so we definitely appreciate your participation. Thanks for inviting me. So now we're joined um, by Mrs. Katie Francia and Mrs. Sonia Brindisi of first grade and kindergarten, respectively. Thanks a lot for joining us, ladies. Thank you. Thanks, John. Excellent. So um, this is your first year at Tech Academy um, for both of you. Um, what prompted uh, you, Sonia, to want to join us this year? Um, I think definitely with COVID happening and having to learn a lot of technology on our own at home, I thought it was a great opportunity to familiarize myself more with tools um, that I could use with this new hybrid model. And even being a mom, I think it's helpful for me to know more to help my son through this as well as he's going to be using a lot of technology too. That's a great point because... You know, a lot of us, even though we work with kids, although we have kids of our own. That's right. At home, too. What about you, Katie? I felt very much the same way. Um, we had lots of tools before we went into COVID in remote learning. Um, but this um, gave us the opportunity to learn new skills and strategies and um, platforms to make available if we had to go into a situation like this again. Okay, excellent. I know that you have started using a lot of Seesaw and stuff even before we got into this. So has this expanded on what you felt you know? Or? Absolutely. Um, just incorporating um, like different links and hyperlinks with the Bitmoji Classroom. Um, it's kind of expanded from there. Um, and now that we've upgraded, it's been really great because those linking of those hyperlinks, it's made it easier um, to kind of navigate. But um, using <clears throat> other things like Screencastify with Seesaw, um, it's just been a great, you know, expanding using that tool that we use in the classroom. Excellent, excellent. So this next piece could be for either one of you just feel free to chime in accordingly or whatever. So what would you think is the, you know, your favorite thing that you've gotten out of this as far as tools or things that you're looking to take back? Um, I think we, I've been very familiar with the Google Slides and I think using Pear Deck, learning Pear Deck and being able to, we're going to be teaching in a new kind of form now um, at their seats, we do a lot of center work, and if they can't rotate to those centers, it'll be great to bring the centers to their seat. So Pear Deck is a great way to 
introduce the kids to the slides and have it interactive at the same time. So that way they're still kind of um, becoming familiar with those centers just in a different format. Um, I think being able to have access to um, all our technology teachers here has been great to really help minimize how many links you're going to and make things simple because being a kindergarten teacher, it can be overwhelming to them and the parents when there's so much going on and just being able to simplify it a little bit more and having someone know the system so well to help you show you how to do that has been really beneficial to make these programs and access to everything as easy as possible for the kids and parents. You know, one of the things that I think is also great about the whole Tech Academy in general is that um, most of the folks that have shown up for this have also tend to be the folks that also seem to be most receptive when we suggest different things or types of technology to use. And I can definitely say both of you fall into that, uh, into that category. You know, so um, I really appreciate you being on the podcast. So hopefully you know that that means I'm probably going to try to push some podcasting, <laughs> you know, podcasts and Minecraft and other things like that. That's great. Um, I like a challenge. And so. your classroom. <laughs> Absolutely. Anything that you guys would like to add, you know? I do want to say that this academy has really um, boosted confidence in areas that you're kind of, you try to explore on your own, but... It just gives you a little bit more confidence to actually try it, you know, and implement it within the classroom. So I've really learned a great deal, and I appreciate it. Excellent. Cool. I think the most beneficial thing, too, was that we had three kindergarten teachers here. So it really made it helpful as a team that we worked on team collaboration, and we worked on things to help our whole grade level, and we can bring it to the grade level but it was nice that we could be a team and do it together and be on the same page as well. Yeah, that is pretty awesome. Definitely. Well, thank you, ladies, so much. Thank you, John. Thank you. Appreciate your time. So now it's time for our weekly tech question. Nick and John, what process should a teacher use when deciding on what ed tech tool to use in their classroom? That's a great question, Steph. You know, the biggest thing is that you know, people want to be aware of what their specific district policy is or ours and the procedure to look into that and request specific apps. And that's something that we have in place and will be available in the near future on our tech website. Um, our district privacy officer, who happens to be um, one of our podcast hosts, uh, Nick, um, has structured that and has... Uh, documentation that all our vendors will sign in advance before we uh, employ any of those tools in our district. Right, Nick? Yeah, so one of the recommendations that I share with teachers is do some of the research before you just jump into using the tool. I think on the surface, a lot of tools, and they look great and engaging and interactive for kids, but then when you dig deeper, uh, there could be some underlying issues. So I always recommend that uh, you know, you first want to look at, you know, does that website or does that tool collect any type of personal data from the student? So if they have an option to sign in with Google and it's nice and easy and you just want to create those student accounts quickly by having them sign in with Google, uh, you're actually passing along uh, personal information about that student. And uh, our job is to protect the student data. And we want to make sure that we're using these tools that, you know, are good for our kids uh, and are set up 
to have the security in place where they are not allowing third-party access to some of the information that we are sharing. So always a great idea to review the privacy policy. And when you give that a read, they can be lengthy, but you can also see some things that kind of jump out real fast uh, with them. If there's any type of advertising information that is shared or data is stored for a lengthy period of time uh, and they're running cookies in the background to kind of gather some of this information. You know, so you can read through, you can get a feel for whether or not that tool is protecting the data uh, that we're sharing. And then, you know, we ask that they go through the process of, you know, speaking with their building administrator and, uh, you know, having a conversation like with that next level admin. And then we put the staff through a, a request form so they can go and provide some information on the tool, what the use of the tool is, uh, share some, some of that big information that we review it with a team. And when that process is all done, you know, if it's a tool that we think is valuable for students and safe for students to use, you know, then we're, we're definitely going to okay it and, and give teachers the green light on it. And it's great that we've got, I guess, different levels of research with each of these tools because I know that with some tools, certain levels of it, you know, may adhere to our privacy requirements and the entry levels may not, right? Yeah, and yeah, if you're talking free versus paid. Exactly. Yeah, so there's definitely, uh, we found that there's some, Oh, there, there's a difference. You wouldn't think there's a difference, but uh, the free privacy policy, you know, for some of those those sites are questionable. In order to get them to be compliant and protect the student data, we have to subscribe. Uh, so we're definitely fighting that battle. Uh, the other, you know, strength and I think positive of having a process is when that app or website comes to the committee to review, we have a member of our district technology, like, information technology team on there, one of our district higher techs that's available uh, to answer questions as well because we have to make sure that whatever that tool is, we want to make sure it's compatible with the way that our network is structured and the way our accounts are created. So uh, we try to bring in all the players you know, and all the stakeholders in that conversation. So that way when it is okayed and it's given the green light for a teacher to use, um, there's going to be less you know, roadblocks or you know, points where we might stumble along have to backtrack so uh, it's great to have that process uh, in place another great reason to bring those kind of questions to our group is that sometimes there may already be something that uh, is in alignment with your learning goals that may be available that you're just not aware of yet yeah it brings everybody to the table to have a conversation about it and there could be a tool that you know we already pay for that uh, we just need to maximize some training in uh, to promote and create awareness so, uh, yeah, great question. I think, you know, each district is going to approach it in their own way and have their own set of protocols. But I know the way that New York State is structured with uh, the Ed Law 2D legislation that districts are following, uh, there is a clear process that has to be established. And, uh, you know, so we're going to have some consistency across New York State. What I would like to see, uh, you know, as a, as a greater vision is, just a database of approved vendors for all districts to tap into. So instead of having each district, you know, developing their own database, if there was a master, you know, a master location where everything was stored uh, for, you know, teachers to look at, for, you know, tech integrators to look at, I, I think that would be a great, you know, asset and resources for all districts. Excellent. 
All right, folks, I think that's pretty much going to wrap up our podcast for today. Um, I'd like to take a minute and thank all the listeners who have taken time to, you know, to listen to our podcast. I'm happy to report that we've had, you know, listeners from over 19 states that listen to our podcast in about seven or eight countries. Uh, one of the reasons that we do this is even though it's focused primarily on our district, it's a resource for anyone out there in education. Um, this tech academy that we've put together this may be something that you've thought about doing in your own district, but weren't really exactly sure how to uh, go about setting it up. So if you have additional questions that we haven't addressed, just leave us a message right on our podcast page, and we'll be happy to get back to you. Um, feel free, um, if you feel so inclined, to you know, uh, leave us a rating or review on uh, Apple Podcasts. That makes it easier for people to find this podcast. Uh, thank you very much, and we will talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Peru Tech Bytes podcast. Be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Google Podcast, or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. If you enjoy the show, be sure to share with colleagues and friends and follow us on Twitter at Ndamiani PCSD and J Mitchell PCSD. Thanks again for listening. And remember, tech doesn't bite. <laughs>